I would like to make a disclaimer before I start, and that is I'm not running for office, uh, at least not in Vero or in Florida. But uh, Anora and I, we are very, very happy to be here this morning. We want to thank God for making it possible for us to see you, meet you, and we want to give special thanks to the elders, the deacons, the ministers, and all those who help to lead this wonderful congregation. We also want to say special thanks to each of you, the members. I always tell people that the members are very, very important when it comes to any congregation. And the reason is simple. You can have the best set of elders. You can have the best minister. But if you have no members, you have no church. So I always want each of you to know that you are very, very important to the growth and development of this congregation. It is you who make things to happen here at the Vero Beach congregation. My presentation this morning will be in two parts. The first part will be telling you a little bit about the work in Liberia, and the second part will be bringing to you and to all of us a Bible lesson. How do you do? Just I turned it off, turned it back on. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm from Liberia. Liberia is a nation in West Africa. And my wife is from Camden, Tennessee. I met her in Florence, Alabama at the International Bible College. We got married in 1993. And we went to Liberia to begin our mission work in 1994. And we have been blessed with three children. That's the map 
of Africa. One more time. Uh, okay. That's the map of Africa. And I show this all of the time because a lot of times when people think about Africa, they say, you from Africa? I say, yes. I say, do you know this person? <laughs> and the assumption is, we all from Africa, we are from one place and we know each other. But Africa has about 50 countries and uh, we, are, we are from right here. This is Liberia on the west coast of Africa. This is a closer shot of Liberia. This is where I was born in Monrovia. Monrovia was named after your fifth president, President James Monroe. Liberia has a long history with this country. Uh, Liberia was founded by former slaves from here in the early 1800s. And Liberia got independence in 1847. So we have a lot of things uh, about our country that are similar to your country like the constitution, the flag, the language, the educational institution, and several other things. Liberia have had some serious challenges. In the 1990s, we have 14 years of civil war, which was very devastating. And then we had the Ebola in 2014, so the country has been really challenged in the last two or three decades. And you see here, these are all children about anywhere from 12, 13, 14 years. And you see the, the stuff they're holding in their hands, those are M16 and AK-47. And those young men were drugged and they were recruited and they took part in the Civil War. And it was, it was a mess. So that's why I said war is not good. It's never good. You never want to pray for war to come to your country. My wife and I went to Liberia in 1994, and we saw many, many needs, and those needs still exist. But one of the needs my wife and I saw was the need for education. We also look for how do we evangelize. And we came to the conclusion that the school was going to be one of the best ways for us to impact lives at the same time do evangelism. So we started the school in 1994. We usually go out in the communities and we will knock doors and we will talk to people, we evangelize. But with the school, it's a little different. Because at the present time, we have about 550 students at the school. And we have devotions every morning, Monday to Friday. We also have Bible 
as a subject from kindergarten to 12th grade. So the thing is, if we have good teachers, good Bible teachers, and if we have a good Bible curriculum, we believe that we can win a lot of souls through the school. I have two pictures up there. This is Moses Zulu, and this is Wyatt Deeks. These two young people came to us in 1997, 1990, uh, not 1997, 2007. They came to us as students, and they graduated, they went on to school, and today, these two young people, both of them are doctors. Moses has a PhD in soil science, and she's a medical doctor. And I show these pictures to show that, and they are Christians, to show that the kind of impact that we can make on the lives of these children, and it goes beyond them, because it also impacts their families. And this is also a picture of our recent graduates. Like I said, we have devotions every morning. These are the students in morning devotions. You notice all of our students have uniforms. And at the devotion, we will sing, we'll pray, and then the campus minister will have a Bible lesson before the students go to classes every morning. And then, thanks to Bob and Cindy, we now have an auditorium. We didn't for many years. Now we can have our graduations, we can have our chapel programs, we can have our devotions, and we can all have our assemblies. And at the same time, it's a gymnasium, so we can have our physical education activities. That is a wonderful blessing. And this is the third grade class. So it's just more student activities. With the help of the Christian Relief Fund, we can feed our students one meal every day, Monday to Friday, because of the support we get from the Christian Relief Fund. And that's one of the reasons I'm here this morning, because I want to ask each of you, or any of you, to help us support one child to sponsor one child per year is only $350. And that child will have tuition, that child will have a meal a day, and that child will have Bible lesson every day. It costs $350 a year for the whole academic year. I remember my wife and I going to Tennessee, and we went to a Christian school there, and when I told them it would cost $350, they were like, what? And I said, yes. And they said, but our school costs about $9,000 a year. So just imagine the difference. $9,000 for one child per, per year, and we are asking for $350 because of our economy. Our economy is very, very bad. And the kids, the little oh, let me, uh, the, the younger ones are having their lunch. These are our seniors having their lunch. 
And this is our auditorium. Again, at this time, they are having, we are doing testing. We bring our children. So that particular building, Sandy, is used for so many purposes. We also use it for testing. So every marking period, we bring the children from their classrooms, and we spread them out into the auditorium, and that's how they do their testing. Because one of the things we are very big on is each child doing independent work. And so for this reason, you see I show you two, doc two doctors. That's the reason why our children can excel, because we make sure that they do independent work and they are really prepared when they leave. Uh, those are just some of our structures. Uh, this is the Bracket Learning Center. Uh, the Bracket family built this building. This is the uh, gymnasium, and they also built it. And this is uh, our, our campus, part of our campus. This is the Dwazan Church. My wife and I started this congregation in 2012, along with many other brethren. And this was when the building was under construction. Now the building is completed, and we are having our worship services and all of our programs there. If you notice back here, this is the first and only congregation that has a baptistry within the church. Most times we have had to go out in creeks, in the ocean, in rivers to do, to do baptism. But when we were building this building, uh, we decided to put in a baptismal pool. So this is the first building in Liberia that has a baptismal pool within the, the church building. We are very, very happy about that. Those are just some baptisms from Doison, baptizing in the, in the river. This is another uh, situation that touched uh, the hearts of my wife and I. We went to visit the village, and we saw this building. So this building is a mud structure, and this is where the congregation had their church services, and also they had a school in that building. This is just a, a house showing uh, some of the dwelling in the village. This is just a one-room hut, so you have the door here, you have the small window here, and everything these people own is in this one-room hut. That's it. They don't have any kitchen, they don't have any bathrooms, they don't have any living room, <laughs> they don't have any dining room. They just have a room. That's the house. Yes. So that's the situation in the village. So my wife and I said, well, we, can, we have to try and see uh, whether we can help these people. So I talked to uh, the brackets. Again, they stepped in and we began the construction of a school building. Because we wanted the, the children in the village to have an actual school building. Instead of just being in one room, I, I think I have some pictures there to show you how the children are in school. We decided uh, if we have a real school where we have classrooms and we have an auditorium and we have bathrooms, this is in the village. That would make a difference. So now the school building is almost completed. They're putting up, this is a porch. They are building a porch onto it, and then we will, we will paint the building, and the students will begin to use the building. These are some of the children from the village. 
So like I said, my wife and I, we want wherever support we get, scholarship, sponsorship we get for the students, we want to take like half of those sponsorships to the village. Because that's the only way we're going to get teachers to go and teach those children in the village. If we don't have any money to help, those kids will not have any teacher. And if they have a teacher, it wouldn't be anyone qualified to do much. So these are the kids. This is the, 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 the one-room school building I was talking about. So back here, you have one class. Over here, you have another class. Over here, you have two classes. On the other side, you have another. This is a kindergarten class right here. So you have uh, KG1, KG2, and KG3. So as long as you're in kindergarten, you, you're in this class. And then in the back, like I said, in the back here, which is the back here, you have another class. On this side of the room, you have another class. In the back there, you have another class. So you have all these children, about 60 of them, in one room with different teachers, everybody trying to teach them. So just imagine the confusion. So if you can help, uh, we'll get those kids in classroom, and we can all do better helping. Thank you for watching and listening. May the good Lord continue to bless all of you. Please let the elders know if you can help in any way. So, like I said, let me say it again. If you like to help, $350 can help a child for one year. And my wife and I will always ask that you do it for one year. And if the next year come, you can continue, we'll be happy. If the next year come, you cannot, we will understand that too. So you don't have to commit for, you know, time indefinite. You can just commit for one year, $350. If you have any questions, my wife and I will be here after services and we'll be willing to entertain and answer your questions as much as possible. You can also give us your name and your, your, your email addresses, and we will put you on our mailing list, and we will send you our monthly updates. But at this time, I want to talk to you. Uh, how long do we have, Tracy? I have about 9.22, 9.20. 945. Uh, 10, 20, uh, 945. Okay, yes, sir. Uh, I never been to Africa. I want to ask a question about when I watch television and stuff, all I see is wild animals, you know, wild animals. In these villages, are there wild animals roaming all over these areas or not? You have to go and look for them. Uh, usually, it's almost like just thinking about here in this country, when you build a settlement, all the animals will run away. Yeah, yeah. And then when you want to, when you want to find them, you go look for them. It's the same, it's the same way over there, yeah. Yeah, thank you too. Okay. <clears throat> I want to talk to you for the next 25 minutes. That's a long time. I want to talk to you about 
allowing God to use you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. The Bible says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I'll read that one more time, Joe. Ephesians 2, 10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I think this passage is kind of plain, I think. Because the first thing it says is that we are God's workmanship. That means we are products of God. He made us. And we were also created in Jesus Christ when we became Christians. That's how we were created in Christ Jesus. We became a part of him. And the Bible says at that point, we were created to do good works. And the good works we were created to do, that God prepared in advance for us to do. So what I want you to understand this morning, my brothers and sisters, is that every time God gives us an assignment, every time God puts something before us, like a need, every time God gives us some work to do, he has already prepared us before. Can you imagine? God is not going to slap you in the face with something that you have no clue, you have no idea, you have no ability. No. Every time God puts something before you, he has already prepared you in advance. I'm not an English person, but I know in advance means he has already prepared you before that assignment is put on you. There's a guy out of California. His name is Rick Warren. And he has written several books. But one of them is called The Purpose Driven Life. The Purpose Driven Life. A life that is driven by purpose. One of the saddest things in this life, especially for young people, is living a life that has no direction. Living a life that has no aim, that has no objective, that has no goal. Living a life that has no purpose. Why did God create you? Why did God create me? If I'm living my life without a purpose, according to Mr. Warren, 
a purpose-driven life is a life that consists of worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, and evangelism. How about you and I? No matter what stage you are at in your life, God has a purpose for you. And you have a purpose for God. Have you thought about that? You know, uh, Tracy, sometimes we allow people to use us. Boyfriends, girlfriends, spouses, children, relatives, friends, sometimes even strangers. We allow them to use us in so many ways. But when it comes time for God to use us, then guess what? We have a merit of excuses. Sometimes I'm too young. Sometimes I'm too old. Sometimes I'm too busy. And the excuses go on and on and on. But brothers and sisters, no matter what stage you are at in your life, God can still use you. Not only that he can still use you, but he can still use you significantly. And he wants to use you. I asked some people the other day, Tracy, I said, if God doesn't use us, then who, who is he going to use? Brothers and sisters, if we do not allow God to use us, those of us who are Christians, those of us who are believers, those of us who are disciples of Christ, if we fail to allow him to use us, then who is God going to use Brother Brackett, one of the saddest verses for me in the Bible is Ezekiel 22.30. Where the scripture says, God was looking for someone to, to stand in the gap between him and the people. On behalf of the land, so that he would not destroy the land. But the scripture said, he could not find anyone. He could not find anyone among his people. Not one. Brothers and sisters, how many times are we quiet when we are supposed to say something? How many times do we act when we are supposed to do something? How many times do we meet a need? How many times do we help when we know we can help and we know we should? How many times do we make ourselves available for the church to use us? 
How many times? Do we take part in church activities? One of the saddest things for me in, in church work is when a church announces something, uh, we're going to have a potluck, or we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and people get up and leave. so sad. It's so sad. The church has announced that, look, brothers and sisters, we're going to do a potluck. We're going to do this activity. We're gonna, on Saturday, we're going to do evangelism. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then people get up and leave. Where is the fellowship? You know, I told you, Rick Warren, he says, uh, a purpose-driven life, one of the things he listed was fellowship. And when it comes time for us to fellowship, then we withdraw ourselves. Sometimes you don't even have to do anything. Sometimes all it takes is for you to be present. To lend your support so you will be seen, so your presence will be felt, so someone will be encouraged by your presence. It's as simple as that. God is not asking us to move mountains, God is not asking us to do the impossible. Remember the scripture? Say he has prepared us in advance. He's only asking us to do the things that he has already prepared us to do. He's only asking us to do the things that he has gifted us to do. He has already given us the talents. He has already given us the abilities. We are prepared. You know what I'm saying, Tracy? <laughs> God has already prepared us. All we have to do now is act. God wants us to be close to him. He wants us to be close to him. You see, God never leaves us. We are the ones who always leave him. The scripture says, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, said, come unto me, all ye will labor, and I have laden, and I will give you rest. God wants us to come and be closer to him. God wants to be glorified in our lives. God wants us to use our lives for his glory. 
God wants you to live your life in a way that he gets the glory, that he can reap glory from your life. The scripture says in 1 Peter 4.11, 1 Peter 4.11, it says, If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. God wants to be glorified in our lives. We are the clay. He is the potter. Let us allow him to use us. Let us allow him to mold us. Let us allow him to make us however he wants to use us. God wants us also to spread his message God wants all of us to be involved in one way or another in spreading the message. When it comes to, is my time up? <laughs> when it comes to evangelism, it's church-wide. When it comes to visitation, it's church-wide, which means everyone is involved. No one is exempt Brothers and sisters, he wants us to use our gifts. He wants us to use our purpose. If God could use the apostles, if God could use Moses, if God could use Daniel, if God could use Paul, if God could use David, if God could use Abraham, if God could use Rahab, the prostitute, how about you and I? Don't you think God can use us? You see, sometimes someone may ask you or a need may be put before you for one reason or another. And sometimes you begin to hesitate or you begin to think, should I do this? Can I do that? What I want you to know this morning is sometimes that need that, that is placed before you is a need that someone has been praying for for the whole week or for the whole month. Maybe that need is somebody has been praying for it for the whole year or for years. And guess what? God wants to use you to answer that prayer. Thank you. God bless. We, we, uh, <coughs> we're not done with you yet. Uh-oh. So I, didn't, I didn't mean to cut you short, but actually I did mean to. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you told me five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I told you five minutes. But I, I want to ask you a, a couple questions, and, and maybe we take a couple minutes for a couple questions, because we obviously have a truck out there. Okay. And we've got a pile of supplies out there. Okay. 
and we're going to ask some folks to give some money later on okay. about those supplies. Okay. And I think one of the things maybe we wonder about is why are we buying pencils over here and shipping them over there? Why don't we just give you some money and you can buy the pencils and laptops and whiteboards and all those things when you get over there? Okay. Answer your question, uh, Joe. First of all, it's so hard to communicate with Americans. And the reason is very simple. Somebody in Africa makes $100 a month as the salary. They have children. So in your mind, the American mind, how can somebody live on $100 a month? Can you understand that? No. Because you could take a family, you could take a group to the restaurant and spend $100 easily. Just for a meal. But that's someone's income for the whole month. We don't have Walmarts. We don't have Home Depot. We don't have Lowe's. So these things are not readily available. And sometimes, even if they are available, the quality. We, we get a lot of products from, from China. Don't get me wrong, the Chinese make good things, but the Chinese have grades. They have grade one, they have uh, standards, they have values. They got the first class, they got the second class, they got the third class. So the things that come to us, they are very, very cheap. So that's why a lot of times we ask for these things because they are better quality and you can find them here. So that's some of the reasons why. Okay. <coughs> Any other quick questions? We got we got a couple minutes where we can take some questions like that about what we're doing in sending these items over there, um, and those kind of things. And, and I think some of us might be interested in maybe you can give us a little report about Brother William. Cassell. Oh, Brother Cassell. <coughs> Brother Cassell just opened his clinic, and Brother Cassell is doing a very fine job. The congregation I showed you, Dwazon, my wife and I started in 2012 when we were coming to the States to take care of our children for a couple of years, Brother, Brother William and his family, they are at Doison helping us. He has done a wonderful job with the congregation. I was very impressed. When I got back there, I saw a lot of people, a lot of young people in the church, so he and his family have really done well. We are, my wife and I are looking forward to going back and joining Brother Cassell. He has opened the clinic and uh, I'm sure that a lot of good is going to come out of the clinic. He has a vision of using the clinic the same way my wife and I had a vision of using the school. Not just to treat people. The school is not just to educate children. But he's going to have a situation where people come to the clinic in the morning. You have a devotion with them first. And all of that might be strange to you guys here because if you pay your money to go to the, 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 the hospital, you're not going there for devotion. No, when people come, whether they pay money or not, they all sit down, you have a devotion with them before you register them and treat them. And they're willing to be patient and go through the process because that's the process they have to go through to get treatment. So he's going to use that uh, clinic as a means of evangelizing that community. And let me say one more thing. This is 
using the clinic to evangelize, using the school to evangelize, is nothing new. The Catholics have used it for more than hundreds and hundreds of years. I'm not trying to be political, but one of your highest uh, officials in your government said recently that she was Catholic. Can you imagine? This is one of your highest officials in your government. She said, I'm Catholic. You know what that means? She went to a Catholic school. That's where they got her. So the Catholics, the Methodists, the Baptists have been doing this forever. They open these schools, they open these universities, they open these hospitals, they open these clinics, and they eventualize through those institutions. And we are just catching on. Yes, ma'am. And I'm happy you asked that. We'd like to encourage retired teachers, retired administrators to come and visit if you can. We have a four-bedroom guest apartment, and we would love to have visitors. You can come for short term. You can come for long term to help us. It is an English-speaking school, and um, yes. <laughs> they don't. They don't need a judge. Yes. No. You can arrange to make twelve payments. You can make four payments. You can make six payments. You can make two payments. And I think that, and to be clear, you go through the Christian Relief Fund. No, you go through or the Camden Church of Christ. Okay. All okay. funds go to the Camden Church of Christ. Okay. And we can, if you're interested in that, we can get you the address. Yes. Yeah. That's it? Oh, no, you got, you got a, you're going to have a winning question uh -oh. right here. Uh-oh. I hope it's an easy question. I think she's going to go back to when you were talking about marriages. <laughs> <laughs>